Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so welcome everybody to the second episode of Macklin's Take. The first one seemed to go down pretty well. Some uh, some nice, encouraging, positive, constructive feedback. We certainly enjoyed it. Um, and that's the whole point of it. And we hope that, that you did too. That first one was from the comfort of Mrs. Macklin's front room in, uh, in Solly Hull. Uh, today, we have decamped to the East of England Arena in Peterborough. We are just hours away from the... Sky Sports JD Next Gen Bill, topped by Jordan Gill. And we're actually in Jordan Gill's dressing room. Jamie Sheldon, the Cutsman, has just uh, hoved into view. So hopefully we're not getting in his way too much. And we have a couple of guests with us today as well. Spencer Oliver and Tony Bellew. Chaps, it is uh, very good to see you. Thanks very much for joining us. Yep, thanks for, um, thanks for having us on, mate. Looking forward to it. Tony, it's the first time we've seen you on... Um, Media duty on Sky Duty yeah. since uh, since we saw you against Alexander Rusic. Since I got beat up. Well, <laughs> just tell the truth, on that's how it is. How, how's life been? How's it's retired all, life? It's, I'm happy, mate. Very, very happy. And uh, enjoying enjoying the, the nicer parts of life. Enjoying not having to live in the, the constant regime of pain and, and torturing your body and yourself. Uh, so happy, mate. Really happy. And I've enjoyed coming back into this atmosphere on a different kind of level. I'm not here thinking... You're fighting this one. I've got to do this or I've got to do that. I'm just here to enjoy uh, and spend time with the lads and, and support my friends. Of course, you were doing that last week with um, with James DeGale and um, on the subject of retirement. It's been quite a big one over the last few months. There was, there was yourself and then over the last few weeks, George Groves uh, and James came out during the course of the week. How hard is it? You've all got different stories, you three. How hard is it to decide when to, to call it a day? For you, it was that one more fight, that shot at the ultimate glory of, of, of the four belts against one of the best fighters in the world. For James, it was it was slightly different, I guess. It was, and I was close to his side uh, throughout. I speak to him regularly. We've been friends since the amateurs. Uh, I can't really... I can't really comment for James because my retirement was different from James and everybody here has all got a different story for retirement, so... I can only tell you what I felt in mind going in. So my one was, I got married in the July. Uh, I enjoyed my wedding, as everyone does. I went on my honeymoon. I enjoyed my honeymoon. 
uh, as everyone does, kind of went nice and heavy, as I was supposed to do, because I was fighting a heavyweight the fight before. But in my mind, going into that wedding, I was retired. I was done. And then I was on my honeymoon, and, uh, and I seen him talking, and my name came up. And, and in all honesty, when my name came out of his mouth, I wasn't retired anymore. So, uh, not the ideal situation and scenario, but taking all things aside, I don't regret taking the fight. I'm absolutely 100% no I wouldn't have been able to live with myself if I never took the fight. I always thought I could beat him. I don't know why. I must have been nuts. But I just thought I could do things that, that he'd never come across before. And I think I showed in the fight that I did do things that he wasn't really used to. He didn't expect me to be able to box with him and do the things I was doing. But at the same time, I didn't expect to ever tire in a fight. I've never really got tired in any fight in my life. And I mean tired to the point of I'm exhausted and I'm struggling just to catch my breath. Going in the fight, I only remember everything. I remember everything clearly up to the seventh round. I don't remember anything from when the bell went for round eight. I remember being in the corner and Dave Caldwell saying to me, Tone, everything's going to plan. Now it's time to get him to walk onto the big punch. It's just a shame I was that exhausted and never had a big punch in me. But this is life that's boxing. It is what it is. But I knew full well going into that fight alone, I was done. The last four camps, and I'm not, I don't make excuses, I lost to the better man. But four fights on a run now, I've, had, I've took a major injury, major injury into each fight. And that's your body just saying, you can't do this anymore. The, on the third week, with two weeks to go with Spartan, I broke down, whether it was a detached me floating rib before Goodison, I cracked me, me rib before David Hay, I got me rib cracked by, I forget the boy's name, uh, really sharp light heavyweight, he's based in Manchester, no sorry, he's with Clifton Mitchell, he's a light heavyweight slash cruiserweight boy, he done me rib with uh, two weeks to go, and I'm very fortunate that that didn't play a part in the fight, because I didn't get done with a body shot, if they would have known, they would have done me with it, but they didn't and like I said no excuses I lost to the better man but over the course of the camps it's never the fights that have done me it's always been the camps and I knew with three weeks to go before Usyk no matter win, lose, draw whatever I am 100% done I just I don't like spending the time away from family no more I don't like going living in Sheffield I wasn't enjoying training I wasn't enjoying I used to love sparring I used to I'm not going to lie I don't like lifting weights I didn't like running I don't like the, the graft and the daily grind of boxing but I used to love getting in the ring and sparring with people I love testing my metal against them and at the start of that camp I just didn't want to spar I didn't I just I, I didn't like sparring I, I, I was dreading it I was getting in the ring thinking all I was thinking about was can't get injured can't get injured can't get injured everything's on the line and that's the wrong mentality to be going into a camp and a gym with I can't get injured I don't want to spar everything should be I want to learn, I want to progress, I want to do better, I want to get better. And I didn't meet, I just didn't have it. So, yeah, so for me, retirement, I knew I knew it was going to happen uh, before the fight. So, it was just a, a case of me going in, giving it everything I possibly had and seeing how it went on the night. It didn't go my way. All credit to Alexander Usyk. Uh, he was every bit as good as I believed he was and, and I thought he would be. Uh, his judgment at distance, his footwork is the best I've ever come across. I've never come across anyone who had better feet than me whenever I've boxed them. His were exceptional. Uh, as, as far as James DeGale's retirement thing goes, for me, it's hard for James to take. And I've known Chunk a long, long time. And the first thing that he said was when he came out of the ring was, Tone, I just haven't felt the same for the last two years. And things catch up with your time. But the, the hardest part for someone like James to take is that three years ago, He's boxing the head off him. And don't get me wrong, I've been in that situation as well because people will say, three years ago, David, they will smash me. But the thing with me is, 
I didn't do it once, I've done it twice, and I didn't just beat him. I beat him up the second time. I've done it right. Thing with James is, if it is three years ago, James does do him. He's the better boxer. It's still a close fight, even on the, on last week, but he just couldn't do it. The last half of every round, that kid just came strong, and that's just age and time and time waits for no one in boxing. So that's my personal twist on it, my slant. That's why I retired. Macklin's, I'm sure, will be very different. Spencer was very unfortunate without Spencer had to retire, but everyone has a different story. Mac, I know what you will have must have I felt. I relate a lot to what Tony was saying about just getting through camps injury free or as injury free as possible. Towards the end of your career, my career, you know, there, was, there were fights there where I, I'd say even I, I think I was finished after Martinez. You know, maybe, maybe I was on the slide before, but I think I was definitely finished after Martinez. Uh, not that it would have mattered, I think Golovkin would have beaten me at the peak of my career anyway. Uh, maybe a different fight, but he would have beaten me. He's a special talent. Um, after that, I carried on. Uh, I think if I hadn't had the fight already agreed for if I didn't beat Golovkin on HBO, what I was going to get and X amount, etc., I think I might have retired after that because the love had gone from me then. I didn't want to really do it anymore, but you know, I got the win. And then when you come back for the win, there was talk of the Sturm rematch, maybe a fight with Gill. So all of a sudden, these fights are coming about. And, and they, they, these were decent purses. And when you think you bucks for 10, 12, 13 years, wherever yeah. it was in my career, for, pen, for some fights for pennies, and all of a sudden you're getting, you know, big money for one more fight. I think, well, yeah, and if I win that fight, I might get, you know, you're a name then in the division. I might get another shot at the world title, and who knows? So it kind of, boxing has a habit of keeping you in. It doesn't let you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had that when I lost the fight then again in uh, Highland. I was definitely going to retire after that. And this is how boxing keeps you in. Eddie Hearn called me in the January and said, uh, do you want to fight Danny Jacobs for the world title the end of April? I said, how much? And he said, uh, <laughs> whatever he said. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, go on then. Why not? I'm going to retire anyway. I might as well fight for the world title yeah, and I'll get a payday. So he goes, uh, and you know, if I win, he, he'd been hurt before and you know, you never know. So he said, uh, but you need a win first. So I said, well, what card can I get it on? And anyway, as it played out, I wasn't going to get a win. But it got me thinking again, didn't it? Got me thinking about boxing again. So I ends up the match room were coming to Birmingham in, in the main. I said, "Well, you know what? I'll do an eight rounder on there against the knockover, and I'll go out and I win in Birmingham, and we'll see what's out there." And then I ended up having three or four more fights. But the reality for me was, uh, I had a win against Jason Wellborn, which all I cared about was making the weight. You know, I'd seen him get stopped by a body shot of Frankie Gavin and Liam Smith. I thought he's not going to go two rounds with me. Next thing I know, I'm in round eight, thinking I don't even got the gas here. <laughs> Barely trained for this. That's what I'm saying. They're you not fit enough to lace your boots. Fight, but like, they, and then I, I was kind of embarrassed that I had a competitive fight with someone that probably wouldn't have had sparring with me a few years yeah. earlier. And then I thought, well, you know, Brian Rose, I'll, I'll do that fight, and uh, you know, that'll tell me where I'm at because he's good enough that I'll get up for it. Uh, but he shouldn't be he shouldn't be there after four or five of rounds course. if I'm anywhere near what I was and I remember training out for the fight in LA and I remember sparring uh, Jason Quigley who young up coming fighter and I just realised I was well off the pace I just thought I don't even want to do this anymore really but you know then I was getting good money for the fight it was on pay-per-view and I thought you know if I do put on a good performance I thought as I'm older now maybe it doesn't happen in the gym but I might get it on the night and then when I was halfway through the fight with Brian Rose, always closed up, and I'm thinking, I don't even want to... I, 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 every round from the fifth to the tenth, I kept thinking, I'm just going to tell Seamus to pull me out at the end of this. I'm just going to tell him to pull me out at the end of this. That's what I was half thinking. Rather than thinking, there's a jab, there's an uppercut. I'm just thinking this. And then, you know, when I got to the tenth round, I thought, fuck it, go out there now and win this fight. You know what I mean? You're here now. These are, oh, you know, these are the last two rounds I'm ever going to have in my life. Go out there and win them. And I did. And then I won the fight, and... Um, 
there, I didn't announce it on the night because I wanted that night to be about that win. You know, and I, you know, I uh, I thought about it for a few weeks because you don't want to make knee jerk decisions, yeah. even though I knew. I just thought let the dust settle and let's just see. But then I thought about it and I thought, what, 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 let just announce this now, get it done, get closure, and move on to the next phase of your life. Hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. Yeah, well, Spence, your story was was totally different, wasn't it? Because these two were they were thinking about it. It was in their mind. It, it was their decision. Uh, they realised that there wasn't enough left in the tank to keep going. But you were you were just sawn off in your prime. Yeah, I think, you know, mine was a, a very different story. I think mine was right at the beginning of my career. I was literally just just turned to just turned 23 years of age, um, European champion, making the fourth defence of my European title, you know, with everything in front of me. I had Sky TV behind me. I had, I had the backing of everyone, really. I was, you know, I, I was the next big thing coming I from. I remember Spencer. He was like my favourite fighter, man, yeah. coming through. I loved him. Crazy, crazy. And then, yeah, and then all of a sudden, bang, made a second 98 your world's ripped apart. You know, you find yourself... It was, it, was a, it was a mad thing for me because I was going into the ring and, I, and my training camp up to that was not good. You know, I was struggling with weight, but I was this kid that was like ranked number two, three and three in the World Bowl of governing bodies. And I was advised to stay down in weight. And really, I should have moved up in weight. You know, that was the, that was the thing. I was a young boy still growing. I was, um, anyway, we tried to stay down. I was going to box with a world title in, in the next fight. It was a quite routine defensive guy called Sergei Devikov, who was... Who was a, he was the manager challenger, but also a big underdog. I'd seen him boxing undercards before. Um, I had no worry about the fight. Um, yeah, training was not going particularly great because I was struggling so much with the weight. You know when you feel weight, weight, um, weight drained when you're making weight, don't you? So you, your sparring's not particularly good or whatever. But still thought it was going to be okay. Um, yeah, and then there's that fateful night on May the 2nd. Um, it all went horribly wrong. Collapsed in the 10th round. Woke up, that was on May the 2nd, woke up on May the 14th, still thinking I was at the Royal Albert Hall, um, which was the most bizarre thing ever. Like, I'm looking around and I can see my mum, my dad, and my brother, and they're asking me who these people are. I've, still, I've got this like catheter in my mouth, so I couldn't speak, but I'm nodding, going, what's going on here? So I, I assumed that I'd been knocked out in the fight. It was, it was the most bizarre thing. Only about three or four days later, then I realised the extent of the injury. I realised, look, because no one really says to me, look, Spencer, your career's over. And it was all sort of like just hoping that I was going to be okay. And, um, yeah, three or four days later, I started trying to walk again. She had to walk again. I had a Zimmer frame and I was fucking, you know, this is like really bad. Like, this is going to take me a while to get over. I still didn't know that I had 98 staples in my head and I'd had a blood clot removed. And, um, yeah, it was a difficult, it was, it was a difficult process when I found out obviously the career was over and I'd seen the, you know the, the extent of the injury I just wanted to be back normal again boxing really become secondary then it was all about getting myself back together and getting back looking normal getting you know being just appreciating the simple things in life like when I was lying in the hospital bed I'm looking at a toilet that was 10 meters away thinking fucking hell, I'd love to walk to that toilet 
And, you know, the things that we do every day, like walking up the stairs, all those, the simplicity of all these, all these things become a massive task. And we don't take that for granted. And it was like, so, you know, getting back to trying That's to be able to do that again. inspiring, Spencer, that you, yeah. it really is inspiring that you come to, because I've never heard, I've, I've read over the years and I've always studied of what happens to fighters that, that this happens to, but it's, it's surreal and, and exceptional to listen to you speaking that you've been through it and experienced it. So, you must, you must have spoken to like, the likes of the Nick Blackwells yeah, like that. You've, sure. you've sat these down and spoke to them that mm. look this is what happened you come out on the other side because yeah. a young lad like Nick Blackwell was risking his life going back in the gym yeah it was happened. insane uh, who, was, who was there oh, who was man, around so, I, I can't believe it and it's it's when you talk then obviously I remember when I woke up in hospital after the what fight with Jamie Moore obviously I got stretched out in an ambulance it was a great mm. fight and that but I mean, I must have been that close. Yeah, to being, definitely. To being this, you know, know. The difference sure. between me is my, being can okay. Well, I've been stopped. You, you know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's, like that. it's frightening. And to think that this is why people people berate me and, and say to me, oh, Bell, you always says, just want to get home safety. I, I genuinely mean it when I no. say it because when, when you're a fighter like we've been and you are willing to give it... Cause Listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Not all fighters are tuned the same way. So they won't give it everything they've got. Some fighters have a switch. And, and, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of wish I had that switch myself because I wouldn't have been in danger. I'd have known when too far was too much. But you didn't have that switch. You see, you, you'd rather be just put me out. The, the I'd rather run. get knocked out. Yourself, you to was weight trained, absolutely yeah, dead on your feet, yeah, but and I you're was, still going out. I was one of those with that mentality. Exactly. Like, if, you get, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to get knocked out, you're going to have to carry me out because I'm yeah, going to exactly. get up. Exactly. And I'm going to get up. That was not, my mentality. I'm never going to stop trying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the mentality that the three of us have now. Not all boxers have that, and I wish I wish I did to be honest, because it's embarrassing to think that I was I used to have the mindset of. I'll die before I'll quit, and, and that's emba- and I'm embarrassed about because I've got three kids. We've all got families and people who love us, but that's what it's amazing to see. You had that mentality, but you were strong enough to come through. So when you was when the fight finished, Spencer, and you you said, said it was on the third, and you woke up on the fourteenth, is there any kind of re- recollection you can have in that period of time? Was because I've heard to it, my dad was in a coma for, for instance. My dad was in a coma for two weeks. But my dad said he could hear us talking to him mm. over the two weeks, and I'm, I thought that must have sent him insane. But he was asleep, but he could hear us talking. Yeah. Was there anything that you Nothing, could do? You know us? what? And it was absolutely. I just vaguely remember travelling to the Royal Albert Hall, May the second, nineteen ninety eight, and waking up on the fourteenth, thinking that I was at Barnet General because I lived in Barnet, thinking I was at yeah. Barnet General, but I was actually in um, National Neurological Hospital in Queen Square. Um, uh, yeah, it was. There's no recollection at all now. So I tell you a really weird story, and it freaked me out. And it still freaks me out to this day. So I've got no recollection of this, but it's what my mum tells me. So she was watching GMTV one morning when uh, this was during uh, while whilst I was in hospital. She said that they had this. That they were talking about you know when they get these these people on. They were talking about ghosts and they were talking about various experiences with with that world. And she says, oh, yeah, no, she, she rang me. She's like, oh, Spence, like, I've just been seeing this. When you said that you see someone at the end of your bed, and I was like, what are you going on about, Mum? What are you going on? She went, yeah, no, you know, when you said you see a light and you see someone at the end of your bed saying it wasn't your time. And I was like, are you going mad? And she was going, no, Spence, you were saying it to me. It was like the most bizarre thing. But she reckons that that's what, that, that's what I said to her when yeah, I come yeah, around. I said, yeah, yeah Mum, it's not my time. I've seen it. It's not my time. But, yeah, no, I've never had... Any recognition of it's just, I just remember it's traveling the second, to and then it's the waking up, and I think the difficult thing for me, Tone, was the mental health that we talk about that's so recognised now and so yeah. publicised now wasn't around back then. Mm. It wasn't recognised, so it everyone wasn't that I spoke to, I spoke to my mum, I spoke to my dad, and they would go, 
don't worry about it, mate. You, you know, you, you've come out the other side and you're doing really well. And I went, you know what, I do worry about it because... Because I haven't spoke to anyone. I said, so, yeah. yeah, I'm healthy, but I'm fucking ripped to pieces. You haven't and spoke you to anyone? No. Of you course. Had to, you had to do it on your deal with it yourself. That's it, because everyone you spoke to was like, Spence, you've done this amazing recovery. She was in the air, Spence, of so, real men. Yeah. And I was just like, so I couldn't speak to her. And I think that that was my most difficult... Um, difficult part was like that all my most difficult recovery was sort of do it dealing with that and dealing with it on my own it's amazing mate truly inspiring it's interesting it's fascinating here you all talk about this and often you hear athletes describe retirement as being like uh, a bereavement now, now what happened to you was obviously an extremely serious medical situation it was life-threatening but when a massive part of your life disappears when you cease being a an active athlete that's how some people describe it. They say it's like it's like suffering a bereavement because you just you can have a bit of an identity crisis as to what it is that you are. Yeah, does, I think does that kind of resonate? Things, I think there's a few things going on when you retire. Um, you know, it leaves a massive void in your life. Even even though you're not training every day, you're thinking about boxing. Who's if that fight's going on, and I might get the winner, or if he loses to him, you, you know, you're in you're on that frequency. Your thoughts are all on that frequency. So when it's over, it's over. So. What's your purpose now? What's your identif- identity now? You're no longer Matthew mm. Macklin in the box. What do you do now? What's your- mm. I mean, I was lucky enough that I went full on into MTK Global. I was out in America with Michael Conlon. I did a year out there. So I probably weaned myself off the boxing in that sense. But um, but probably jumped in full on. I was probably more I was busier in the boxing in the year that I retired than I probably had been for five or six years while I was still fighting. But I think everyone's is different. I mean, I would... I was saying it to you, and we were talking about it. you actually trying to said, you know, everyone thinks the fairy tale. Look, Joe Calzaghe retired undefeated, of course, but other than retiring undefeated, I think if you look at Tony Bellew's last eighteen months as a pro, it's pretty much as good as it gets, really. You know, he had those two massive wins against David Hay, and then he went in and fought the fighter of the year mm. in a great fight, put on a great performance, showed a different side to his game. I remember, I didn't want to. I remember when he was fighting him, and I thought. I knew you were going to box him how you did because I knew you weren't stupid yeah. and because it was very much what I, very similar to what I did with Sergio Martinez mm. I boxed him do you think we can't he, box he thought I was going to come out and it, like it did Swing against Felix Sturm I, I wouldn't have lasted three rounds he'd have eaten me up do you know what I mean mm. it's like people like that you can't fight like that you have to box you have to, you've got to be able to box sometimes yeah. sometimes you've got to fight sometimes you've got to box and I knew you could box and I knew you weren't stupid so it didn't surprise me the way you yeah. fought him but other than getting the win, I, I think the fight went as good as it could go. And I think oh, the last 12 months of your career, it's one of them, isn't it? Job done. I've yeah, lived the dream. Done. As I say, once, you know, the only thing, when I look at my career and I look back, okay, of course, everyone here will tell you the defeats stick with you much more than the wins. Mm. But for me, I always just think of boxing now personally and just in Goodison Park, in all honesty, because I just think that night I got to achieve my wildest dreams. And, and it didn't need to be in front of 40,000 at Everton. Okay, there was 15, 16, 17, 18,000, whatever there was in there. That's how many was there. But I, you've got to understand, I was going to Goodison Park every other Saturday since I was 9, 10 years old. And I always wanted to play football. I didn't really want to box. I just wanted to play for Everton Football Club as a footballer. But I wasn't good enough. I was too fat. And I wasn't, wasn't quick. So by doing what I'd done at Goodison Park, in all honesty... 
if I, if I could have, I would have just retired after Goodison Park. You know, I'd achieve my dream. Do you know what Tony said then about a chip beyond his wildest dreams? And this took me a long time. Well, not a long time. It took me a while on reflecting on my career after. Because I'll be honest, I felt initially uh, I didn't get that world title. And I did think Tony, when I turned pro, I was good enough to go on and become one. And looking back, I still think I was good enough. And I right did fight at the right you know, time. You know what I mean? Right time, about. right time, opportunity, whatever. But, you know. Really, when you, you have to go back to you were 10, 11 years old in the hoping I couldn't get into a schoolboy final, and then to think you went on and had the career. We all lived beyond the wildest dreams, whether we got cut short, whether we didn't quite get that last bit. We yeah. all went beyond the wildest mm. dreams, even sitting here today, getting paid to talk about it's the boxing on the sky. It's all beyond well, the well, well, you know what? We're sitting here today, and I'm thinking of your last, you know, your last 24 months or so, you know, before the David Hay, when you won that fight at Goodison mm. Park against Macabre, against all the odds, you go over in the first round, you think, shit, this is it. You get up, you win the fight, win it in style, go and beat David Hay twice. And now your journey for me was like so we, we loved it we lived it right from Everton, Everton Park Leisure Centres right through like right through the day but I think your journey was like a really exciting one to go on because sort of like you was always sort of part of the team as well yeah. so it's sort of like you had that instant connection and then when you come up against Usyk and like I remember interviewing on our podcast and we, talk, we talked about it and he fucking like he truly believes this and because he truly believes this and I said to you I said oh, I went against him against David A in fight one I said I'll fucking never do that again I've done the right thing in the second one and he won the fight and won it clearly and I thought I'm not going to go against him against Usyk and then after what after we got past the halfway point, I went, he's going to do this. He's going to do it. Because he was in front on the cards, weren't you? Oh, and, it was, and, the, and the scene was set that night for something really magical to happen. But, but, and it so nearly did. It was like... But it was brilliant anyway. The performance he put on, in my opinion, oh, was class. Incredible. Because he showed... Everyone knew Tony's game, gutsy, he can bang and dig in. But he can box. And he didn't get there and where to yeah. we got without being able to do that. And he's clever. And... You know, it was, um, but what, what made me when you were talking, what I picked up on as well, and I could totally relate to it, it's a different type of exhaustion when you're boxing yeah. those people. Well, it's a con- your concentration factor. I can't explain. It's so it. up here. So you're drained in a different way. You know, those fights where you're in the trenches, you, you're fighting on you keep going a little bit, you keep going, you're I, in I a room. I can't rhythm. explain, Mac. It's but never happened to me those before. Those fights where you've got thinking, well, you're I, fainting and twitching, it drains the battery in a different way. I swear I to you, we, we touched on the, the being in the trenches bit before when we talked about. Our careers now. Yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if we're gonna lose, you're gonna have to carry us out, as mm. opposed to, you know, as opposed to going down and think, looking at the ref and going, like we see many times with many fighters looking at the ref and going, no, I'm not gonna get up, and then they get up, walk to the corner, and you think, I, I used can't to always have a that. talk I with think, Dave. Yeah, I used to always have a talk with Dave, little Dave Caldwell. Mm. I used to say, listen, I don't care how bad it's going, I don't care what's going on. You don't throw that towel. Yeah. I said, I don't care. There's no excuses. We don't throw towels where I'm from. Once again. It's horrifying, regrettable to say that to him, but I used to say that, and I look back and think, how stupid were you? But I can't change what I am. But I, I can never change what I am, and yeah. I am what I am. I'm just... It's the competitive nature in us, but... That's what right. I was going to say about your your last fight. I said that biting on the gum should be... I had no doubts about, because yeah. I know that's your makeup. That's your that's that's who yeah, you are. But that what you was doing there, and like you was out-thinking the, the, the greatest thinker in the sport at the moment... And you think, fuck, he's going to do this. And then, like you say, you just, it just all unraveled. I've never felt, never felt that kind of exhaustion my whole entire life. I've been, I've sparred with, so I've sparred with him. I sparred with him as an amateur. He was brilliant, but I've never just felt gone. It, it, I was just, I've never been so tired in all my life. The only thing, like I said, I just wish that 
I don't regret any of my career. I've had a fantastic I've I've I've, I've lived my wild dreams. Max one hundred percent spot on. We all have. I sat with James Gale the other day. I just wish that the money I've earned from the last three or four fights I could have earned in Goodison Park in one night, because I swear to you. I would have just walked off after Goodison Park, but I didn't. And the minute Goodison Park happened, my sole intention was make, was to get out of this game financially score. People don't realise in boxing, less than 1% of the fighters involved in the sport get out financially score. It's actually 0.7% of the of, of the whole of the whole thing. They get out secure. I spoke to James DeGale, comes out the ring the other night, and, and it was heartbreaking to say, but I was so made up, he just called a day on it. But I, I just showed him a picture on my phone. I said, Chunk, look at us. We were in, Mac knows this place, Crystal Palace, them dorms. Believe it or not, I, that's where I used to train. Them dorms were the most horrible, the bunk beds in them were horrible. The things, that the, just the, the telly was, everything was horrible. But I said, Chunk, look where we've come from. Pictures of us in Poland and training camps, Ukraine and training I said, if I'm telling you sitting here right now, you've come out of the ring, okay, we've lost. We've both lost our last fights, but you're healthy. You've been an Olympic champion, a European, a British, a two-time world champion. And he said to me, you're spot on. I said, someone who offered us that, Macklin Max just said, schoolboy championship. Now, I was fought, I didn't have a fight as schoolboy. I went straight in as, I was a 15-year-old when I had my first fight, but I fought a kid who was anywhere between 16 and 18. Now, if you'd have told us all, we're going to do what we've done, even Spence, even yeah. yourself. 100%. You know, you know, I, 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 I had the talking. same feeling. Like uh, I had a dream of winning the schoolboy title. Lost in the first year, lost in the second year, lost in the third year, final year. And all of a sudden you find yourself at Derby at the, yeah. in the schoolboy finals and you think, fucking hell, I made it. I, I, lo- I, made I, it. I, I lost in two schoolboy yeah. finals and two semi-finals. I won the NABC th- twice and junior ABAs and seniors first year when I was 18. But I remember when I was when I was a schoolboy, all I wanted to do was win that schoolboy title, man. So yeah, I you know, when you, you have to put yourself back there yeah. to appreciate how far we've gone. The feeling, the feeling exactly. of that, yeah. I remember studying David Day as an amateur boxer. I remember him going in the ABAs and I was I was studying the fighters in the ABAs at the top echelon, the top boys. So I was studying Courtney Fry. I always remember Joey Ains going on it one year. Courtney, Courtney Fry was the reigning ABA champion. He goes in the ABAs, and I was studying it this much. I don't what? I can't remember some of the things yesterday, but I remember this scenario. Courtney Fry goes in reigning ABA champion. David Hay knocks out Courtney Fry. Courtney Fry, Jim Twight knocks out David Hay. Jim Twight gets injured. Joey Ainsworth gets a replacement from the quarterfinal and fights him and wins the ABAs. Joey Ainsworth wins the ABAs in the same year that Courtney Fry, Jim Twight, and David Hay are all in the same category as him. It's absolutely insane. And sometimes yeah. it falls that way for you. It's just, it's, it's just. I, I don't want to say because it's not. There's no, luck plays no part in boxing. I don't want to say luck. It's just things have felt. The stars right. aligned for you, and you've capitalised because you've still got to be in great shape. You've still got to be a high level boxer. You've still got to be able to do it. But when the stars, like Max said, fall in line for you, you've got to be able to take your opportunity, seize the moment, copy DM, whatever it's called. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Well, I could listen to you talk about this and, and, and reminisce about it all all evening, but um, that wouldn't go well down go down at all well with our sky bosses. I don't think if they found us in Jordan Gill's dressing room when we're supposed to be on air. But um, I do need to ask you all about more kind of current affairs. Yeah. 
and now you're out of it it's probably easier to take a more kind of objective view you might be glad that you're out of these kinds of negotiations now but with yourself not being active anymore and David Hay and George Groves and James DeGale that's a lot of big names that have been removed from the sport and it's put even more pressure on this kind of heavyweight scene to deliver the fights that we want to see and when we did our first episode of, of Macklin's Take, we thought we knew what was happening. AJ was going to fight Miller. That is happening. That didn't make us Nostradamus. Everybody knew that. But we assumed that Wilder Fury 2 was going to happen and that Dillian White was going to box Dominic Brazil. Now, the latter of those two are not happening. Yeah. It just shows how, how unpredictable this all is. Were you surprised by what has happened with Fury? First off, no, because once the deal was signed and he's linked up with Bob Adam, Bob Adam and, and were you surprised that that deal came came up in the first? I place? wasn't because Frank Warren has always tended to to work with the US promoter, and Al Heyman wasn't interested. Uh, Don King's out the picture now as all former partner, so Bob Adam was the only eligible step. To be totally honest, you know, as soon as Golden Boy linked up with the Zone and Eddie Earn, that's kind of a no go zone. Then, so it's boxing's very. It, it, it's got its own parts, and it's got it's very political boxing. Yeah. It's very political. I'm when, to think it's, of when the you, zones, like when we have areas yeah. you go from this part of London, yeah, from that part of London, P- people align, don't they, with other yeah. people, mm. and, and they know. just bend on. So as soon as Fiori signed, first thing I said to me mates is, and I hadn't spoken to anyone. I've tried to stay away from the boxing world, supported me friends, but I said straight away, Wilder and Fiori's not happening. Al Heyman's not going to be working with Bob Adam anytime soon. They, he can't, they can't stand each other. So that's a big block. And now, okay, Fiori might override them and say we just get it done or not, but he said he wants to fight. He doesn't. If anything, in my opinion, that makes the Wilder and AJ fight so much easier to make because mm. Eddie Hearn is a businessman. He will deal with anyone. doesn't matter. If it makes business, it makes sense to Eddie. Fiori's, Fiori's team isn't apparently about that, in my opinion. So... It's, it's no, first off, it's no one's fault. We all want to see them fight. Uh, I think AJ's in the right. There's never been a fighter in the history of boxing who's ever owned three belts in one division and not been the man to beat in the division. It's never happened. There's been fighters who have held two plenty of times. There's lots of times fighters held two and another fight's held two. And they lay claim to being the best heavyweight in the world. I don't think it's up for dispute in any way, shape or form. Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight in the world. And, I, and I've seen the Laniel forms filled out and stuff like that or, or, and I, I agree or, with it 100% uh, put a status up on Twitter about this Max Kellerman done a five minute video and he described it very well and I just kind of quoted the tweet and said you know very good description and everyone's coming in at me whether do I think he's the lineal or should yeah. he be the lineal or not mm. I said no I'm just saying he explained what the lineal is. is very well he did I do think there's an argument that that is possibly expired now because he has been out of the game and Joshua has gone on beaten Klitschko beaten Povetkin who's the beaten Parker has got three Dylan of the belts on paper so, looks like a great, a you know, great scalp you know it is uh, it does change things a little bit and um, yeah, I think you, I think the, the question you've got to ask yourself is the lineal champion how long can that go on for you're right like you know times move on fights move on you know since him since friends. he's been lineal champion he, he he had the draw yeah, with, top, with, with Wilder. Jo- Joshua's gone on, on to on top achieve what, what he's achieved. I'm with you, you know, and Josh- I think... If Joshua hadn't won three belts and hadn't beaten yeah. Klitschko, Povetkin and Parker and all the rest of it, then, and they were just kind of splintered belts one here and there, yeah. fair enough. But AJ's really stepped up. To another level. So, you know, I'm saying there's an argument to say that that lineal status has expired. I'll, I'll always raise... Tyson should just be rated very highly for what he is and what he's done. He's a fantastic fighter. He's, he's a... 
he's probably the best pure boxing heavyweight on the planet yeah, right now. Yeah, he is, definitely. He's the best boxer of the lot. Yeah. Does he tick all the boxes? Is he the best athlete? No, no. Is he the fastest? No, he's not. Is he the most powerful? No, he's not. But does he put all the other boxes together the best? Possibly, yeah. yeah. But ultimately, you can't be blamed and you can't keep holding on to this Lanil status because... You know, I was I was arguing with my friends the other day. What are we going to do if Lennox Lewis comes out of the time? What are we going to say with Lennox Lewis is the the old old Neil champion? There's a time span on everything. It gets ridiculous. And although I'm very symp- sympathetic, is the wrong word. Although I understand and I feel for Tyson Fury, let's never mistake this. This is all self harm. This is no one was forced to do this. This is not a man who was forced to retire. This is not a man who was forced to drink, forced to do this. And I understand everybody has problems, depressions and stuff like that, but what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just sit here and go, he's not well, you know, so let's just leave the belts on the side and no one can fight. Joseph Park can't defend this. Life moves on. Boxing moves on. Boxing is not about one man. It's like football. It's not about one player in the team. It's it's a a big package and, and everyone's got to sit back and go, while he was sick, yes, he did beat Vladimir Klitschko in Germany in probably the worst fight in history. Don't care. He beat him. He beat him, and he beat him fair and square. Anthony Joshua then beats him. Is he an older man? Yeah, he is. So what? He does. He goes in and does a job on him. Does he have a harder fight with him? Yes, gets knocked down, gets up, knocks him out. It doesn't. All that matters is, is where we are. And I'll forget Lanil status, because three years ago, no one was talking about Lanil status. All we need to recognise is who's got the belts, who brings water fights. So what's Deontay Wilder bringing to a fight? What's Anthony Joshua bringing to a fight? What's Tyson Fury bringing to a fight? I'll tell you what they're bringing. Deontay Wilder brings a WBC belt and virtually no audience in the UK. I don't really want to talk about money at this stage because it's irrelevant to me. What's Anthony Joshua bring? He brings, he's basically the, the, the biggest face in boxing, I would say. And also, the biggest thing that he has, he holds three belts out of four in the division. What does Tyson Fury bring? He brings, you could kind of say, after what he's gone through, he's the people's champion because he resonates with the regular man in the street. Yes, he does. But really, what does his record really bring? He has one victory over the Vladimir Klitschko where, mate, I'm not being funny. No, the but they'll, like, they'll say that he brings lineal status. What we're saying... I think what, he, what Fury actually brings, what he's now bringing is, it's not really to do with boxes, it's where, where he went to and where he's come from to the public but let's just go back to the, the, the public sweetheart and that's really what he's bringing but let's to the just table go back now. to the, 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 the boxing talk yeah. you know he drew with, with Wilder yeah. you know and, and a lot of people thought he won the I fight thought I won, thought he won but you, you, you can't sit a, there and go it's completely it's a, it's a, it's a no, people called it a no, robbery the 113-113 weren't too bad it was that other score yeah. that was so bad guys it was a close fight it was a close fight you can't argue it let's you know he got the draw it was a draw which it was so we got the draw and you know after the layoff and everything else you know, some people say he's the lineal champion. Oh, no. we, 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 I agree that I think that's expired. Well, I think he, but, I think he is. But, 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 but there's the three of them in the mix. On. There's AJ there. There's what AJ's the man really in the division. Probably, in my opinion, followed closely by Fury mm. and then Wilder. Wilder. That's how uh, that, I see that, it. the best thing. What you've just said is there is we 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 can all identify who's the man here. Yeah. We can all identify who brings the most to the table and no one can argue that. We all know who the number one heavyweight in the world is. That, In my eyes, that can't be argued. So what, what, what is stalling all these fights and what's getting on is it's about percentages, it's about cuts. Well, it's quite simple. The one simple thing to do is if you really believe you can beat him, take the fight. I'm not saying sell yourself for a pound, not by any stretch of the imagination. If you believe you can beat him, go in the ring 
and say, as long as when I beat you, we switch the roles you'll give me in the first fight, then because whoever beats him, believe you me, the rematch will be three times bigger than the first fight. Not once, not so, three times bigger it'll be. And that's what they should do. But my big thing is, it's all right saying he's crap, it's all right saying he's a robot, it's all right saying he's muscle man. Well, go and beat him then, mate. Because I had the world on my back to face David A. And everyone was saying, you've got no chance. And I took... It's wrong to say buttons in the first half, but I took a minuscule cut. I, I took a lot less than he's getting off. And now, and bear in mind, that was on... I took it to Sky Sports box office. He only wanted it on BT. We would have made half the money, the two of us. And I shouldn't even compare... I'm not I'm not saying compare myself to these, but I'm just saying, the only reason I took a fight is because I knew I could beat him. I mean, you, you believed believe, in yourself yeah, and you put and yourself... Do you, do you it's like these, putting your money where yeah, your mouth is. Do you really believe, Mac, these fighters believed he can beat him? That's the mad thing, because if they did, it's a no-lose situation for them, isn't it? What do you make in that case of the of the Dillian White scenario? He's going to be with us later on too, and I was kind yeah. of hoping he'd be here a bit earlier so we could invite him to, to be involved in I this feel discussion. For them, that's what I will say. He, you know, he rolled the dice a couple of times, yeah. took really risky fights against Joseph Parker, Derek Chisora, when he absolutely didn't have to. Won both of them. They were tremendous affairs. Uh, a pay-per-view fighter headlining, made some good money. It seemed to me that that was all about getting the Joshua rematch, but then when he got it, yeah. he didn't take it, I'll and it looks like it's blown up in his what face I'll now. What I'll say is he won't like personally, even if he's listening, he listens, I'm not bothered, but I'm telling the truth. Uh, so Dylan had agreed to the fight, yes. Now, the, the stick-up clause with that is the, the rematch clause for him, the rematch clause for him wasn't good. That's why Dylan, Dillian hasn't signed on the fight. Okay, which I can have, but what you have to look at is in the reason that the guys were able to flip the terms to the rematch with Wilder and Fury is because they have so much going for them. With all due respect to Dillian White, he's a, he's not a mandatory chance. It's, it's a voluntary. And let me tell you, if you're a clever businessman, which Mac will adjust to and, and, and confirm one day, you don't just get rights to the first fight. When you're given a voluntary, you get rights to the rematch too. And you and you dictate rules, so I mean that's, that's pretty standard. And he did. That's why, that's why he didn't have it, Max. So Dylan was happy to get the five million for the fight, but he said, you know, I want the roles reversing for the rematch, and they just said, mm. absolutely not, no. And that's the once again, when you're a champion, you carry that power, and you've earned that power, and you have got a right to express it and use it in your favour. That's just standard. Yeah. I, I feel sorry of- for Dylan. I do feel sorry, but I do think he overplayed his hand a little bit. But to the man on the street, that would seem unfair that. That the champion would be able to dictate the terms of the rematch, that's, having lost. That's, that's, the, that's the sport we're in. That's like, but I think this, that I, is the sport I think that we're these in. These are the kinds of things that people don't really understand. And Andy, so Andy, we're not we're, we're not talking about as Matt talked about earlier. We're not talking about pence here. We're about five million quid. If he's got a revert, if, if they have to have the rematch, he gets another five million quid. That's well, what he's guaranteed. That's Spence. what he's guaranteed. I can't see exactly. If you want to take the title from Anthony Joshua, is not just the heavyweight champion of the world, but he's also recognised by everybody. One of the the best things you can have going for you in boxing is momentum. Mm -hmm. And Dillian White has had fantastic momentum momentum coming into the position that he's in now. But things change. Momentum isn't permanent. It's constantly changing. Now, all of a sudden, he goes from those two great wins, massive momentum. Fury and Wilder are talking about fighting. All of a sudden, it's opened up, and he's going to get the fight against AJ and Wembley. You know, now he's overplayed his hand, over negotiated, and he's stuck with nothing. He's not even got a fight. You've got to remember, if he's mandatory challenger, which he should have, 
I we I just pursued one belt. I always dreamed of it at WCW, so I didn't. I wasn't bothered about the other sanctioning bodies. I just pursued anyone in the top ten of the WBC. I attacked it all the time. Now I know Dilly Dillian tried to do the same thing with the WBC. Well, you know what he should have done instead of just going back and forth. He should have just went with against Brazil and just said, "I'm going to bite the bullet one last time," because by fighting Brazil. He's got to face me in 90 days. Yeah, sure. Put yourself in a position. But I think it was Brazil. No that, do it. I think Dillian wanted that, didn't name Brazil yeah, Brazil, opted now for... Brazil, now Brazil's jump ship. For a while there, so, yeah. So, so now he's in, he's in a catch-22. But does that's what do? happens. That's why sometimes the bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Mm. Just, you know, just take the fight. He's got a great deal there. He had the deal with AJ, five million, six million, yeah. whatever it was. Take the, also, take the fight. Also, I'll be honest, he won't like this, but I don't, I don't think it's Dillian who's saying no. I think Dillian said yes. Well, you know what Dillian has said yes Dillian said yes to this fight but the people in your ear and as we all know yeah all I was going to say so I think he's been badly advised the people in your ear are saying you should get more than you win this fight because he will have convinced the people who are in his ear I'm going to beat him and they're going to be thinking the rematch that's where we're all going to make money well no listen win the rematch it's worth so much more but it's terrible advice to yeah. knock this back yeah. you're going to make more than double than you've ever made in one night before and then you're guaranteed to make at least yeah. if not yeah. more in the rematch just the, it all yeah. comes back down to what I said at the start of the conversation do you believe you can beat him yeah. if you do you take the fight hands down just just take the fight well, we're getting close to our on-air time, so um, we can't stick around for too much longer. You can hear the announcer in the background there. I think we're on fight number two down here at the East of England Arena. Quickly, just to finish with, because me and Matt were talking about this before, and, and it's something I find just endlessly entertaining, um, uh, and that's Frotch. Um, his comments about James DeGale um, that came out towards the end of the week. Having worked with him, and when you get to know him a bit, you know that he's not quite what people think he is he does like to say things to, to, well, yeah, to I, wind people up but what, what did you make of what he said about James DeGale no, I, I mean I like him I thought it was out of order I thought the timing of it it was badly timed you know DeGale's just lost he's had, he's had a fantastic career just give the man his credit and leave it at that I know he gave him his credit but then he's, he's praising him and then taking away just in the next sentence chips. and I just think yeah. you know just give him his credit and leave it at that yeah I'm I'm, I'm I'm, listen, I'm a big fan of Cole Frotch. He's a good mate of ours. You know, we yeah, work totally together all the time. But I think calm. he was wrong. I think that he's got to give Digal the respect he deserves. He's a two-time world champion. He's an Olympic champion. He's a British European champion. He's achieved everything yeah, there is in the sport. Give him his credit for what he's done. Or beat you or yeah, whatever. let that let that go. And I think he should have put that to bed. And I think some of the comments, from my point of view, were, were wrong. What Macklin just said was absolutely spot on. It's about James Digal. That's all it's about. This lad is being an Olympic champion, British champion, European champion. He's saying goodbye to the sport. Let, let him say goodbye, mate. It's nothing to do with anyone else. It's not about if you the fought me or the... You're talking about if sports wins when a man's walking away from the sport. I've known Carl a long time, been around him a long time, sparred hundreds around him. He's bang out of order. And I'll tell him when I see him, it's wrong what he's doing. He is really wrong. But I, I know this. I know what Carl's saying. Carl said it in kind of a jokey term way, but wrong place, wrong time. It's just badly timed and a bad thing to say, to be fair. James is just, look when Carl, go back, look when Carl Flatch retired. What's, did, James Wood did not have any kind of shots or pops because there's a time and a place for everything and it wasn't the time or the place. I feel Carl's, trying to crack on with a joke and he's always cracking on with the 80,000 joke and he, he does play up to it he's, he's a funny lad you know when he wants to be but 
that was just so poorly timed and, and, and it's wrong it's out of order in my opinion OK, chaps, well, I'm afraid, uh, with regret, we must, we must leave it there because me and Matt uh, are needed fairly, fairly swiftly. It's been an enormous pleasure having you on, uh, Tony, and pleasure. you too, Spencer, and, and, and chatting all things boxing and hearing those stories from, from the older I was days. inspired and, listening to Spencer. I've never listened to a man like just listening to the, to, the, to the hopes and the dreams and how it all kind of ebbs and flows along the way. So that's it for episode two of Macklin's Table. Macklin's Take, even. I hope you enjoyed this one. We will be back. This is kind of how we're going to do it. It's not going to be completely regular. We don't know whether it'll be every week, but when we see each other, um, we'll look to drag as many star Just guests in as we Just before we can. go, and who's taking the bleeding punches around here, us three or you? Because the way you're stuttered on that final outtake is Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ. Yeah, there's a bit of nerves kicking in there. I don't know. Well, listen, you know they've done the first one in, in Macklin's mum's front room, apparently. I don't know what actually happened in there because he don't seem the same guy since that one. I don't know if I finished him. <laughs> Well, so something I, you want to tell us, mate? What I could do is edit this bit out <laughs> yeah. and then re-record it at the no, end. Listen, but I'm an listen. honest man, so I won't do that. Sorry, the first rule of podcasting, by the way, you do not edit this stuff out. Oh, this you can gold. trust me. You can trust you me. Go. I will not be doing that. Anyway, we will be back soon, uh, and this one will be up on uh, other platforms other than just my SoundCloud. The last one was very much a kind of trial run, so this one hopefully will be all singing, all dancing. Let me know um, and I'll bang it on my social medias too. That would be fantastic, yeah, no That would be fantastic. Uh, so once again, thanks very much for your time and thanks everybody Pleasure. for listening. We'll be God. with you again soon. God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.